This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And a good morning, one and all. Welcome to a Saturday morning that uh, offers up, I hope, uh, a good temp a little bit later on today. I heard about 21 degrees. Yeah, pretty wow. gorgeous day again. Yeah. Gorgeous the- sunset, sunrise, uh-huh. lots of pink clouds, really pretty. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful time of year. Absolutely. And, Highly unusual. And at some some point during the show, I fully expect Charlie Dobbin, who is our <laughs> master gardener, to look across the, the desk and look at me and hold her nose and go, P.U. Because <laughs> Frank no, Proctor you just look here, a by bit the way. Scruffy. Well, yeah. Um, we lost power last Sunday. Uh-huh. That the big wind. wind came through, blew down a huge tree in front of our place, but it knocked down the power line that runs through the forest, mm. about a darn near a kilometer worth of forest. And so they've got to go through the forest now and lay a new line or, I don't know, string it, whatever. And we consequently are living with the sound of a generator just out the side of the building. Oh, God. And it doesn't run everything. Like, we know hot water. No oh, hot water. charming. Well, what's so, over the cold shower? Come on. Yeah. Oh, oh, just the thought of it made me shiver. Uh, yeah, I'll be going over to my son's here in downtown Toronto after yes. the show. I'm sure you're, you're walking all yeah. over the place with yeah. a toothbrush in one hand and a towel in the other. That's hello. About it. Yeah. hello there. Do you have a shower I can borrow? <laughs> Anywho, here we are, the garden show underway mm-hmm. for yet another day. And mm-hmm. uh, my job is to really get the phone calls uh, coming in, and mm-hmm. you've got to have the phone numbers to do that. That's right. In Toronto, call 416-360-0740, and then anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. If um, you'll keep our little mantra in line here, it's uh, call early, call often, one question per call. And if you're a first-time caller, let Sebastian know, our operator, and he will make sure to get that info to me and... Yeah, That's the, what you're going to hear when you get to the airwaves. The wings. Yeah, garden wings. wings. Yeah. So okay. what do you have for us, Charlie? Uh, a couple things. Tomorrow, mm-hmm. the uh, Greater Toronto Bulb Society is meeting at 1.30 in the afternoon at the Cummer Park Community Centre, which is 6000 Leslie Street at Cummer. All are welcome. And that's a, a message that came in from Rosemary Dobson. She always kind of slides in uh-huh. her announcements, you know, 10 minutes before the show. So thanks, Rosemary. Um, also, here's a kind of a fun one. Supalicious Niagara will be held on Sunday, October 29th. So next Sunday at Balls Falls Conservation Area. That's, oh, that's a great spot. Yeah, 3292 6th Avenue mm-hmm. in Lincoln. This is to benefit Food Growing and Sharing Program, the Plant-A-Row, Grow-A-Row Program. You can learn more about that at www.growarow.org. So there's going to be 15 delicious soups for sipping, slurping, and savoring, all for the advanced ticket price of $10. More information, www.supalicious.ca. Of course, all the proceeds will remain in the Niagara area to help support the food growing and sharing program. 
Uh, also happening next Sunday, October 29th, right at noon through till 4.30 p.m., the Toronto Japanese Garden Club Fall Flower Show in the Kobayashi Hall at the Japanese Canadian Cultural Centre, which is at 6 Garamond Court in Toronto. $5 admission. Ch- children under 12 are free. They will have a large display of the unusual but exquisite Japanese Fuji-type chrysanthemums on display. Mm-hmm. So if you're a chrysanthemum lover, get out to that because they will have some amazing mums there. That's okay. all I got. Oh, that's all I got? Oh, all righty. Well, let's uh, give you a little bit of a rest there to recoup. Oh, you just exhausted yourself. Truly. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're going to go back and say hi to Sharon in West Lauren in moments here on The Garden Show from Zuma Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, let's say hi to Sharon, who is on the line from West Lorne. Good morning, Sharon. Hi. Good morning, folks. Good morning. It'll be another nice day. Totally. I wonder if we can keep this till Christmas. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> um, what I'm calling about is composting. I'd like to get out today and do some things in the garden. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, um, plants. Now, uh, the refuse from, from pulling my plants and whatever, can I put everything in, like um, foliage, the foliage and the roots and the flowers and whatever in that too? For sure. Do you have a composter? I do, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. I put everything in my composter. Uh, the one thing I don't put in would be like the woody stems if I'm doing some pruning and I end up with some, you know, real hard. That's, that's the other thing I was going to ask yeah. you about the different things that couldn't go in. You no, know, just because they take, you can put them in. They just take forever to compost, like yeah, to actually yeah. decompose. So you'll end up with those mm-hmm. kicking around for years. Whereas everything else, yeah, absolutely. Pop it all in there. I mean, technically diseased plant materials shouldn't go in. So no. if you have, you know, some mildew on some of the um, some of those plants. leaves with black spots on them, that's well, not good? I don't mind. I leave those. Well, it depends which black spot we're talking about. The tar spot that we're seeing on the maples. Yeah, but you know what? I put everything in my composter. Oh, okay. But I also, um, you want to sort of have an inoculant, if you will. You want to make sure that the decomposers are in there to do the decomposition. So that's all the bacteria bacteria and the microorganisms and all that sort of thing. So, I mean, if you have, uh, if, you, if you've had, you know, compost in there, like good sort of gardener's gold in there already, then that's fine. Make sure there's a little bit left in the bottom and that will have all the good stuff to get your new debris breaking down. I see. But if you've never really run, you know, used the composter at all, then don't hesitate to pick up a bag of uh, composted manure or get a hold of something that's really got some, some life in it. You can get compost accelerators, those kinds of things, oh, really? yeah. and, and just get that in there as well. Get a little topsoil in there because the to- topsoil contains lots of good stuff too, mm-hmm. and that just speeds mm-hmm. it all I up. My, I put um like the, the kitchen waste and that, like vegetables and stuff yeah. and that, that in there and that too. And then I have got um, um, leaves and that too that perfect. I crumple up and throw yeah. on top of perfect. that too. So. Yep, perfect. Yeah, I emptied a composter yesterday just because uh, I'm always cycling through. I've got four composters. So oh, my God. I, yeah, oh. I try to get them all emptied in the fall and then uh, fill them all up fresh. again. Keep one for the winter. Yeah. <laughs> Keep one for, for all okay. the kitchen waste. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. And both of you have a great um, 
weekend. Thank you, Thank very, you much, very much, Sharon. Enjoy, yeah. A great idea to be out there thinking about yep. mixing up the compost, adding to the compost. Pick up some leaves. There's leaves to pick up just about everywhere. Maybe not. Nothing's completely defoliated yet. But yeah, yeah. There's certainly leaves. Be a lot are hard. more to come. That's for sure. That's right. Yeah. It's a process. You can't just leave those leaves out there. They're just going to suffocate the lawns. Uh, next, Charlie, we're going up to your neck of the woods. Oh, Richmond so we are. Hill. There's yeah. Betty. Good morning, Betty. Oh, hello, Charlie. Thank you for taking my call. Good morning. I have called you before. Uh-huh. Not quite the same thing, but it, I have a huge hibiscus, one of those that you have to bring in in the winter. Oh, yeah. But I'm a bit anxious about it now because it's still got about 40 buds on uh, it. That's great. So often they do. Is it so huge you're not going to be able to get it in the door? Yeah, but... You know, should I cut the buds off? No, no, no. Enjoy them. Well, some of them will likely fall off just in the process of getting it in and Mm -hmm. also keeping in mind that light levels are always lower indoors than outdoors. So often uh, the tropical plants will drop the odd bud just through this kind of shock of outside to inside. But no, if if you can leave those buds there, you should be able to enjoy some great flowers right inside your your home. If you can get that hibiscus... Would it flower in the spring again? Uh, okay, so well, what you get worn out? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you would think it would, but hibiscus are, are pretty good. They'll bloom just about any time. Oh, good. But good. do give it a big cutting back. Prune it back next March. Next March. Yeah, so that it will start. You'll have buds on it by June. I, I guess it's this crazy weather, but it, it has gone a bit most peculiar this year. I mean, it's a peachy one. Oh, nice. And it's about three foot high. Oh, nice. And um, but pink ones are coming too. Huh? Maybe <laughs> there's some. Sometimes there's more than one plant in the pot. True. Right. True. So you can end up like I have my my. I gave my mom one that's a a twist. So it's oh, yellow, I red, see. and pink. Three three different colors all twisted together. They're and so beautiful. They though. are. I know. They're great they plants. Really are. Okay. Well, so I shouldn't cut them all. Enjoy. No, don't. Don't enjoy them. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. I love your show. Thank you for calling, Thanks, Betty. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good weekend, and yeah. keep it tuned right where it is. AM seven forty Zoomer Radio. And that, of course, is AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Now, we're heading toward a break, but just before I do, let me uh, get the phone numbers on the air one more time, okay? In Toronto, 416-360-0740. And anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. We'll be along to check in with Bob in Scarborough after these words. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, as promised, uh, uh, just before our break there, let's check in with Bob in Scarborough. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Good morning. morning, Charlie, and uh, good morning, Frank, who no, no one seems to... Acknowledge that you're the co-host. But. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks for that. I mean, he's really just the under, under, under gardener. Yeah, that's right. I'd let him sit the in this dirty, video. lowly servant. <laughs> well, just a, a quick funny joke. I know that uh, Frank enjoys them. Yes, I do. Anyway, this guy was driving down the highway, and he ran over this rabbit, and he flattened it, and he was so disturbed, he pulled over the side of the road, and he began to cry. So a woman coming in the opposite direction in her car, she noticed this fell out the side of the road, and he was very upset, so she pulled over and stopped, and she approached him, and she said, you know, she said, I was driving by, and she said, I noticed you were very upset. She said, is there anything I can do to help, or uh, what happened? He said, well, I was driving down this road, and I 
ran over this rabbit and I flattened it and he said, I'm very distressed about it. And she said, just a minute. So she went over to her car and she got this can and she sprayed it on the rabbit. And lo and behold, the rabbit jumped up and hopped down the road and every once in a while he would turn and wave. That guy said, that's a miracle. He said, can I see that can? So he gave him the can and he turned it over and read it and it says, resurrects hair may cause occasional waves. So he turned it over and it said hairspray. <laughs> You had to be there, right? Oh, that's cute. That's cute. Hairspray. I love it. Anyway, the question is, I have a small Japanese red maple. It's about six inches high, and I'm wanting to get it from a friend and transplant it to my backyard. Is it too late in the season? Nope. Oh, good. No, you know why? It's been such a prolonged fall. I mean, the soil is still nice and warm. That's what it's all about, getting the plants in the ground while there's still enough warmth in the soil to promote root growth right away. So, I'm supposed to freeze next week and get snow. No, I don't think so. I was just looking at the long term even coming up. I mean, I, I'm not even seeing a frost. Like, uh, looking at 14, 14 days in the future, nothing like that. It's all low of nine. That's about it. Well, it could stay like this till Christmas and then warm up right? yeah well that's All what right. everybody's saying so yeah get that in the ground today if you can put any fertilizer in there or just plop it in no fertilizer good soil proper planting location in terms of light levels and good quality soil no fertilizer great water yeah. Uh, Bob, the, the, the other the other punchline, Bob, to that story is the fact that this guy watches the, the hare, the, you know, turn around every 10 feet. The rabbit. Wave, the rabbit, pardon yeah. me, yeah, and wave at him. And and so it's a perfect example of a receding hairline. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not one of those. I do a comb over, though. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hey. Well, nice talking to you, and it doesn't hurt to have a little bit of humor in the day. You've right? got, you got it, my friend. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Take care. Well, that's, that's why. Cute. That's why Frank's here. He's, yeah, he's the humor in my life. Oh, there you are. Yep. Well, well, bring a smile to my face and everybody else's. Uh, occasionally, occasionally, a little snicker never hurts anybody. Okay, right. Tony in Toronto. Good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. Hello, Tony. Uh, good morning. Yep. Yes, uh, I have a, a plant which is called Mandeville. Uh huh. And uh, we purchased this uh, from the grocery store. Yep. Uh, about a month, <clears throat> excuse me, about uh, the late, uh, late, <clears throat> late spring. Yeah. Um, I decided I should sort of bring it in because it's such a beautiful mm-hmm. plant. Mm-hmm. There's more flowers than actually leaves in it. That's great. And uh, I'd like to bring it in uh, in the in. Uh-huh. For the for the winter, is it is it in a pot or did you? Uh, it's in a pot. Okay, good. So what you want to do is wash it off. You want to um, get out your hose. Um, sometimes it, people will even mix up some soap and some water and just give the plant a bit a, a wash down. Soap, water, uh, shower, rinse off all that soap and water, drip dry, and then into your house into a sunny location, the sunniest spot you've got. Uh, what about the soil? Do I have to change the soil, or do I have the original soil okay? Or no, you leave the soil alone. Uh, if you're going to need to do some transplanting, we would do that in the spring. But again, if you're worried about just you know the odd little insect that might be in the soil, soap and water, same thing. Drench through the soil with the soap and water, and then rinse through with clear water, and you know drip dry the whole thing. So a thorough washing, just to make sure you're not bringing in any critters, and then the brightest, sunniest spot inside your home, uh, you know, facing south, preferably, kind of in front of a patio door, and that plant will happily perk along all winter. 
uh, how long shall I keep it out uh, once I've sprayed it? Just till it dries, so an hour or two, and then remember as well, you're not going to water it again inside your home until it's really dried out, and that could be weeks and weeks, because you're going to thoroughly water it before you bring it in, and plants use less water as the days get shorter. What about uh, the uh, soap and water? Is the dishwashing liquid uh, be all right? As long as it's soap. Avoid detergent and try, try for soap. Okay, I'm going to have to kind of cool it there, Tony, Thanks, because Tony. we're leading into several more questions. And uh, oh, you can always call right. back. I'd love <laughs> to have you call back. All righty. Uh, in the meantime, it's off to another uh, listener out there in Cambridge this time oh, around. Yeah. Bobby, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to Charlie and to Frank. Well, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> What's going on at your place, Bobby? Well, I have potted up several pots of perennials. Uh-huh including um, tree lily bulbs uh, with the intention of taking them with me when I move. Now, I had hoped I would be moving soon, but it looks as though I could be here until oh, through the winter months, maybe even spring. Oh, okay. How do I maintain these pots now? I don't want to lose them all. No, you know what They're you do? So they were in the garden, like I'm, they were in, in the ground, and you've lifted them in preparation to move that's what right. i would do is that's great you've done a good thing uh now just take all those potted plants and bury them in the garden somewhere just sink those pots down under the soil and they will survive the winter no problem once the ground thaws in the spring you can pop them out of the ground wash off the pots and put them in the, the moving truck now suppose we are able to move through the winter months we find somewhere and we want to move on and take these plants with us. Well, that's a, and the ground is frozen. Right. <laughs> um, do you have a shed at all on the yes. property? You do. Yes, I and do. And it's obviously mm-hmm. an unheated shed? Uh, yes. Um, okay, once those plants are dormant, so once we've had a hard frost and they've gone to sleep, so for sure right now that hasn't happened, they're still perking along, I'm sure, but once they're truly dormant, you can take those pots, put them in the shed, um, because just leaving them outside on the ground, above ground, is potentially too cold and they could die. So oh, that's okay. why I suggested putting them under the ground. But if, if you could be moving in February, then what I would suggest is you take all those pots, put them in the shed, and um, depending on you know whether there's any insulation on the shed, like you just want to make sure that they, they don't get too cold. It's all right if they're you know, minus 5, that kind of temperature, but as soon as we're getting... 10 or 20 below zero, and if it's that cold inside the shed, they could potentially die inside there as well. So just depending on the insulation level, you can use some newspapers, you can use old blankets, whatever, if you think it's going to be too cold in the shed. styrofoam, something like that? Uh, Yeah, even styrofoam, potentially. You just don't want to, like, they've got to go completely dormant before Mm -hmm. you kind of put them away to sleep. And yeah, just watch the weather. And Bobby, my apologies, because I didn't catch till right now that you are a first-time caller. So. Oh, my God. I was going to mention that's... that before I hung up. Oh, no, that's there great. you go. Well, so... so I, I should do this this week and get them into the shed this week. Well, it's not... You, no frost yet. <laughs> wait till we've got oh, some... wait till hard frost. Wait till a hard frost. So, yeah, there's not... Put them in the shed. Yeah, all I'm right. looking forward here. It's all, like, double digits all wow, the way yeah. down here. I mean... 
I'm not even seeing like four. Right there's a four 30. degrees here in Toronto next Sunday, week tomorrow. But otherwise, everything's double digits. So oh, okay. you, it's a number of weeks yet. Just let them stay where they are, sitting outside. Water if you need to, because you know with this warm weather and sunshine, you may need to water. And so when they, they do go dormant, they should be quite um, saturated or you know not not soaking wet but certainly well watered Mm -hmm. and then into the shed for for the winter and then you can obviously get at them if you need to i'm sorry just the part about the newspaper that is if if the shed is not uh insulated yeah newspaper and put it around them is that what you're saying or wrap them in there yeah you could wrap them just because newspaper will trap air it's all about just some air the the newspaper yeah i mean actually in a perfect world you'd get cardboard boxes you'd stick the pots in the boxes and you'd crush up newspaper and put it around the pots if you were worried that it was going to get too cold mm. so i put okay. a thermometer out in the shed just to get a sense i mean like i said if it goes to five below in the shed you're fine but if it suddenly goes to 40 below outside and it's 30 below in the shed then it's a problem it's rough yeah now okay, that's not, not in the forecast any longer. just included in that is um are tree lily bulbs is that the same thing yep they're all, all of them the same but just yeah. get them dormant first Okay, good. Okay. All righty, Bobby. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks for Thanks for joining us here on a Saturday morning. And mm. that, that was kind of cool, actually. The garden wings that Bobby got there yeah. are part of her mo- moving her garden. Right? There you See, she's <laughs> you dug go. up her garden. She's got her wings. She's ready to go to move and take her garden with her. I think exactly. that's very cool. Okay. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> as we sorry. say about it, Bobby, we... Uh, are Oh, I better mention the lines again here. In Toronto, 416-360-0740. And anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And I do believe we're headed to maybe just around the corner here in Toronto. Pauline on the line. Good morning, Pauline. Hi, how are you? Excellent. Great. How are you? I'm good. Um, I hope my iris are good. <laughs> Let's hear about them. Uh, well, I can't. I can't find where they are, uh, quite frankly. But this year, for some reason, we had so much growth that other plants sort of grew over, oh. and I can't see the leaves. <laughs> I, I, need, I know approximately where they are, but I think I need to dig them up and check for grubs. Uh, well, okay. So first off, you got to find them. <laughs> so you'll have to go yeah. out to where you think they are. Uh, if other plants have overgrown the irises, you may need to do some digging out of some of those plants. And uh-huh. at the same time, you could lift the irises. The optimal time for lifting irises is August. Uh, ah. And that's when we lift them. We, like you said, check for the grubs because there are little borers that can get into the irises. And at that time, we, we do some dividing. Irises tend yes. to get so dense and thick that they stop blooming. They just, you have a lot of leaves and not a lot of flowers because of the, the density in the, in the clumps that after a number of years. So every three or four years, it's a good, good idea to lift your irises in August. Well, they did grow. They were about three feet tall this uh, spring. Uh-huh. So, so they, they were. They grew really well this spring. But then, you know, did they the fly? leaves disappeared and. <laughs> yeah. Well, they could. I mean, you could if you wanted to dig them up, dig up a couple just to get a sense of what's going on. The leaves right. often will sort of fall over. Did you get good flowers out of them? 
Oh, wonderful. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what? I'd get out there with my digging fork and tread carefully and pull back and cut back what's covering up the irises and try digging a few on the edge and take a close look at the roots. And uh, if you do see evidence of bores or grubs, they're really obvious at this time of year. They're quite large. Uh, then you, you should definitely dispose of any, any irises that have been infested with bores. Okay, so it's never too late to check them out. <laughs> no, that's right. Better now, like you can't do it in the spring because you'd really limit the flowering. So if you feel that you need to do the lifting, do it now. But August is optimal. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Pauline. <laughs> Thank you so much. All righty. Have a great weekend. Thank you. And keep it here right at the AM 740 that's Zoomer right. Radio. Hey, Wanda in Scarborough, welcome to the show. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Uh, my question is regarding a lantana plant that I have in the ground, and I would like to pot it up. Uh-huh. Uh, do they have large roots? It's about 17 inches high and about the same amount across. Um, not particularly. They're more, they have a fibrous root system, but what they have is a high level of vigor, so that even if you do leave some roots behind, you cut some roots, which you will, mm-hmm. uh, the plant should be able to uh, spring back to some extent. Now, if it's about, you said 17 inches, so, you know, I'd be looking at a minimum of a 10-inch pot. And, oh, that big. Yeah, if you can. Uh-huh. And you're going to need some potting soil. You cannot just lift it with all that garden soil attached to the roots and stick it in a pot and hope that it survives. You will have to take leave behind some of that uh, like garden soil and uh, come in around the roots with some potting soil. I do have potting soil. Good. Does it have to be moist to get moist? Yes. Or no. Uh, I first bring it in. Well, beautifully blooming now. Yeah, I mean, the potting soil is probably dry in the bag, so you're going to moisten that. Uh, you're going to get that into the pot. You're going to get the plant into the pot. You're going to water it thoroughly, let it drain out on the on the patio or wherever just till it mm-hmm. dries down a bit, and then again into your brightest, sunniest location inside the house. Do not water until it is really, really dried down, and it could be weeks. It could be three or four weeks before you water again. Really? Particularly if you use such a big pot, you know, a 10-inch pot. So, yeah, that's the one thing about bringing our plants in. It's figuring out when to water them, and it's yeah. easy to overwater at this time of year. So Kill them with kindness. Yeah, yeah. and lantana is a very drought-tolerant plant, so that's why I'm suggesting ah. let it really go, get quite, quite dry before you water again. It's, it'll have to be in a North Bay window. Oh, even less water then. <laughs> Oh, okay. It might be Christmas so before. Is blooming or like do I cut back no, blooms? Well, I would try to not. I, I mean, it, technically because you're leaving some roots behind, you should take some plant, some cut the, the uh, some of the branches and stems back. But, And again, technically when you do transplant, you should remove, remove flowers. But the reason you're bringing in is for the flowers. So Enjoy. I would not. Yeah. yeah, I would not cut back. I think you'll find as the winter progresses, some of the flowers will finish. You will be pruning them back. You may lose a few leaves along the way, so you're going to keep an eye. You may find yourself just doing some pruning because you'll have to, just for aesthetics. Oh, wonderful. Okay. okay. Yes, thank you so much. All right, one. My thank pleasure. You. Thanks for calling. If I'm not mistaken, uh, an old friend of ours, John in Mississauga, is going to be speaking to you very shortly. First of all, let's take a little bit of a break here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. 
Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, Frank Proctor, the sous chef of The Garden, wondering indeed if I did have the right John in mind when I, <laughs> when I indicated we're going to be s- saying hi to John and Mrs. Hoggett. Hello there, John. Good morning, Yes, Frank. I Good do. Morning, <laughs> Good morning, John. I missed you for the last few weeks, you know. Uh, where? You were away? Yes, I was in Malta. Nice. Oh, lovely. Yes. Did you bring back some seeds for unusual plants? Well, to be honest, I shouldn't tell you what I brought. <laughs> I'd be arrested. I know. I know. As long as you don't bring soil. Yeah. No, you can't bring I soil. Some olives. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> nice. Don't give them my don't give them my address, please. Okay. I know, no, I won't. <laughs> Anyhow, um, Charlie, I don't know. Uh, I have some seeds in the in the garage, and. Uh, you know, grass seed. Yeah. Um, is it too late to, to just put it on? I mean, not that I need it, but it just to uh, sort of, you know, thicken yeah, my lawn yeah, and all that. Yeah. It, oh, you could definitely do that. I mean, it, it, so the challenge is making sure that you get good seed soil contact. So when oh. we're when we're top dressing and overseeding, because we're just trying to thicken mm-hmm. up our lawns, uh, do get a little bit of soil as part of this process so that uh-huh. you've got a better chance. So a little layer of whether it's topsoil or triple mix or lawn soil, uh-huh. uh, you know, half an inch over the, the existing grass, then the seed, and then, rake, well, and then raking, yeah. mm-hmm. exactly, and yeah. then water. We do have some rain coming later in the week, but for yeah, now... Yeah. Yeah, we do. That's, that's why I ask because, yeah. uh, like yeah. I said, Tuesday, I mean, Monday and Tuesday, whatever. Yeah. Um, but you had once. Especially on my boulevard, like I said in the past, yeah. that, uh, you know, to me it's part of my my property. So, but anyhow, so what I was wondering whether, you know, being October, um, it's, t- it's still time to germinate. That, well, that's... it based on the forecast, uh, weather forecast, yes, because, again, soil is nice and warm. Air temperatures are optimal. If you can make sure that the, the seeds are kept moist, so uh-huh. we do have rain in the forecast, then we've got some dry weather. So keep an eye that these seeds are, once they start being watered, that they continue to be moist. They, uh-huh. You should see full germination within 10, 11, 12 days. Uh-huh. And, and they're just little tiny grasses, and they'll be fine. They'll get through winter because, again, they'll have a f- number of weeks to harden off so to speak in preparation for the winter and then next spring you don't need to worry about putting down grass seed it's all ready to go yeah okay okay thank you very much thanks, thanks for you john always <laughs> always nice Bye-bye. hearing from you my friend uh gee we're going to uh the town that uh, i first started in radio really cfco in chatham ontario hmm. there's gene on the line good morning gene good morning good morning um, I'm wanting to bring in my geranium. Uh-huh. And uh, what do I do? Uh, are they in pots or in the ground? They're in the ground. Uh-huh. They're also in uh, summer in pots. Okay. So the ones in pots, of course, are going to be the easiest ones to bring in because um, yeah. it's just a matter of giving them a thorough wash and bringing them inside. Did you? How were you hoping to keep them over the winter? Were you going to? Do you have a good, bright, sunny spot you can continue Put to grow? Them in bags. Them? Right. So, do you have a cool, dark basement? Uh, well, I or, can keep them in the garage. It's insulated. Um, okay. So there's that. Uh, so the the way. 
way, way, way back, people would keep geraniums by lifting them right around now. I mean, not so much because of October, but in terms of the, the weather we're having. It'd be nice if it was a little cooler. I mean, where you are, it's even warmer than we are. You know, we're in the 20s the last few days. These plants are actively growing. So you need a little cooler weather for them to start to really slow down. You would dig them up. You would wash the roots off. And you're right, you can bag them and put them into the the unheated, insulated garage where they will remain dormant. So they will not be growing. There'll be no light on them. There'll be no water. But they, they there should still be life in them so that it, when you check every month or so, they'll be a little rubbery, uh, you know, flexible. Um, there won't be a lot going on until March. And at, in March, of course, is when you'll start cutting them into little pieces and do some cuttings from your mother plants. Sorry, my blackberry was beeping there. I'm oh. sorry, what did you say about before mother plant? You'll just take some cuttings in March from the plants that you've dug. So the plants you've dug will never grow again, but you'll take pieces from them, and that's what you'll grow starting in March. Uh, and so you'll you'll maintain the same genetics, the clones of the mother, but those mother plants will not go back in the ground. Do I take any of the leaves off? Uh, you, no, you don't need to take any leaves off. No, that's just, you're going to force them to go dormant, but wait until the temperatures are cooler, because right now they are nowhere near dormant. No, they're beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Jean. Yeah. Thank, thank you thank very much you. for calling in from Chatham. I think yeah. it's the first time we've uh, had a call from Chatham, if I'm not mistaken. Um, well, then Jean was probably a first-time caller. Well, she was. I wonder. Hmm. Hmm. Just in case. Yeah, better send some wings her <laughs> I'll way. send some wings out there. <laughs> uh, Ellen in Brantford is on the line now. Good morning, Ellen. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Um, I'm looking at my garden right now, and I have... Um, Oh, for heaven's sakes, the blue, <laughs> the blue tubular flowers that uh, only grow in bad conditions, like, oh, never oh, mor- mind. Not morning glory? Morning glory. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've got morning glories all over the place, mixed in with my roses that are blooming like crazy. I know. It's been a great year for the roses. Oh, it's nuts. Anyway, I'm calling about pruning yep. the uh, Japanese maple. Is it too late? Oh, no, it's not too late. What kind of pruning? Just uh, for shape? Pardon? What what kind of pruning did you want to do? I've got some crossover branches. Okay. At any time of year, you should always, on all your plants, be prepared to remove anything that's dead anything that's diseased or anything that's damaged. So when you've got crossing over, you do end up with damage. So never hesitate to remove dead, diseased, or damaged at any time during with any of your plants. Um, You can, and Japanese maples, of course, sometimes need to be pruned because they get so, so dense or so big or whatever. So yes, you could do that kind of pruning as well if you needed to, but remember, maximum one-third of the plant being removed at any one time. Okay. Okay. It's 20 feet tall, and it's uh, eight years old. It's just wow. beautifully. It sounds incredible. It's very, very happy plant. It is, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's shaded a little bit by a spruce. I mean, that's a good thing. I yeah. thought I was putting it in a good place, but yeah. now the, the spru- spruce is encroaching on it. 
Mm, yeah, that's really large in such a short time. So, yeah, you may want to consider and prune for sh- for balance, right? When yeah. when a plant tends to grow, they tend to grow towards the sun, right? In the yeah. shadier spot, there's less growth, and in the sunnier part, there's you know, so they get a little lopsided. Mm-hmm. So, be prepared to take off some of that growth on that sunny side to balance off the the less growth on the shady side. Okay. 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 Thank so, you, Ellen. I give it like a haircut to balance it, or should no. I go right back to the stem? You, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of haircuts at all, ever on Japanese maples particularly. You're going to have to really look at the form and when you're going to just have to very judiciously follow down to a, a logical spot to remove some of the extra growth and ensure that the next growth that's coming, based on where you take, make your cut, is to the outside of the plant and you're not encouraging yeah. a lot of growth to the inside. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you. All right, thank you. Thanks very, very much. Uh, Ken and Scarborough, hold tight. We're coming back to you here on The Garden Show next on Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Let's scoot out to Scarborough. Hey, there's Ken. Good morning, Ken. Welcome yeah, to the show. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, good morning, Charlie. Um, uh, I'm reading in one of my gardening books about uh, preparing for next spring um, for trying to uh, kill uh, crabgrass. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about the application of pre-emergent herbicides. Mm -hmm. um, uh, He says you have to do it at the correct time. And then in parenthesis it says that is when the forsythia is in bloom. Yeah, well, that's hmm. about right. Yeah. Well, when, when would that be, roughly? Okay, so forsythia is the yellow-blooming shrub that blooms in the early spring. Okay. So, okay. So here, I'll just explain this to you for a second. So crabgrass, which many of us have on the property, yeah. is an annual plant. So those crabgrass plants that are maybe mixed into your regular grass will die in the frost and the winter. But before that happens... Each plant can disperse up to 60,000 seeds. Mm -hmm. And those 60,000 seeds are going to sit there all winter waiting for optimal conditions in the spring to grow. And that's where the pre-emergent herbicide comes in because a pre-emergent herbicide applied to where some of those crabgrass seeds are sitting there waiting, ready to go, will not allow those seeds to grow just by virtue of a chemical reaction. Right. So uh, what we use here in Ontario is corn gluten meal. Often that's mixed in with a spring fertilizer. And yes, the time to do that is, and so when does the forsythia bloom? It just depends on what kind of a spring we have. It could be as early as April. This past spring was such a late spring, I think it was kind of late May by the time the forsythia, mid to late May when when it was... The you know the yellow flowers were on the forsythia shrubs and they're all, they're everywhere. Like once you kind of know what they look like, then they're all over the place. Yeah, it's sort yeah. of a nebulous description, isn't it? Really, <laughs> yeah. I think I better uh, case out the neighborhood and find a forsythia plant. <laughs> well, right. well, look it up on the web or or check you know in one of your books. Get it. Get a sense of what a forsythia looks like. Very bright yellow, uh, very um, cheerful plants in the spring. You can't miss them. Okay, <laughs> so the timing is kind of critical for this. Uh, pre-emergent herbicide. That's right. If you put it on too early, it will just sit there and potentially wash away in the rain. If you put it on too late, the seeds may have already germinated and you're just wasting your time trying to stop them from germinating. 
Okay, then. Okay. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for, the, for it. Thanks uh, very much, Charlie. You're very welcome. Thank you so much, Ken. Well, and you know what? Yeah. If I think about it next year, Frank, remind me yeah. uh, to say, okay, you hey, know, for Cynthia, I, I was in Scarborough, yeah. the area, and I saw the First Cynthia blooming. Or I can certainly yeah, yeah. tell you when it's blooming in Richmond Hill and down here. So it'll be always a little... It's a good little guidepost, though, eh? Oh, it oh. is. It's great. Yeah, no, you yeah. need those that's the little indicators for yep. sure. Well, I need my bell. Luck of this. Oh, good. The bell is for Bill, and that's it. <laughs> Bill's in Waterloo. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I've got a question about a tree in my front yard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about 35 feet tall, kind of a gnarly bark. Uh, it, it used to have small leaves and red berries on it. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and the berries would last all winter, and the birds would feed on it and so forth. Uh, about July or August, uh, all the leaves fell off. There were no berries. The tree is completely bare. And some parts of the bark are covered with a, like a whitish green, mm. I don't know, mold or something. And I'm wondering, um, did this tree die or? Uh, well, you know, it sounds like a mountain ash. So if you look that up on the web, mountain ash trees, uh, you can double check that that was what it was. They. They are a great tree, but they do have a real susceptibility to uh, some diseases. And it usually starts with some cracking in the bark or something that goes on. And before you know it, um, whether it's bacteria or it's fungal, a disease enters the plant through damage to the bark. And before you know it, the tree over a period takes two or three years, but they will often just die. So two options. One is, you know, take a really good look at whether it, it might be seriously gone. The, um, w- one option would be to call a local arborist, like Davy Tree or something like that, and they can send somebody to your property and give you an analysis on what to do next. Okay. It might be th- no hope or there might be some hope that, that a, um, a professional could tell you when they see it face to face. Um, that's probably your best bet. Just because a, a tree like that is, you know, it's big and it's got big importance in your garden. If it isn't alive, then it, removal will be a good idea just because, of course, uh, dead trees do become dangerous. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. All righty. Well. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, you. thanks for tuning in. And, hey, come on back next week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let us know. <laughs> thank, yeah, you could do that, yeah. for gosh sakes. Uh, one final caller, I do believe, and that would be Shirley in Brampton. Good morning, Shirley. Good morning, both of you. Good morning. Uh, just one quick question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a cedar hedge I want to cut back. How much can you cut it back this time of year? At the most, one-third. One-third? Uh, is it a height thing or a yeah, width? Yeah, it is. It's about 10 feet um, tall and... Yeah. It's getting too big. <laughs> yeah, that's. We really do have to stay on top of cedar hedges. They can really outgrow their, their oh, place. Oh, they can. <laughs> so, yeah, I th- you could take a couple of feet off the top. Okay. The best time to be trimming cedar, uh, in terms of the widths, w- particularly for the width, would be when it's actively growing, which would be next June. So just cut the top and not. Yeah, cut, cut the top, not the sides, because you're not going to see that blunt cut that you're going to make, because uh, okay. it will not fill in until it actively grows again next no. spring. All right. Okay, that sounds good. Thanks for calling. Thanks very much. Thank all you, right. and uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for all the great calls. No kidding. Yeah, my golly. Uh, you're, Lots uh, of calls. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you know, you're buying we, breakfast. We have, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you worked. You've really earned it uh, today. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, thirteen phone calls. Wow, like that, was that, that a record? That's that's no it matches. We had mm. reached thirteen callers at one point, but that's a lot of information you're disseminating, and you know, we appreciate it. Oh, my yeah. pleasure. You know, it's, so much it's so always... that I'm going to buy a breakfast, <laughs> <laughs> steak and eggs. Well, gee, no, no, just dry toast and <laughs> no, that was a last week. week. Coffee, <laughs> yes. water and dry toast. <laughs> so, what do you got going on? Actually, well, I'll be back, of course, at one o'clock uh, for live in the city and uh, a little feature I'm having a, a good time with uh, about mm, let's see 145 42 uh, the wonderful world of wacky news. Mm. I, I source three unusual stories, and I've got three dandies to tell you about today. Oh, excellent. Yeah. yeah. So, and then, of course, uh, Frankie's Funny Bone at 2.30 and and some absolutely wonderful music that we uh, provide. More about receding hairlines, I assume? <laughs> it could be. It could, could be. be, yeah. So here's a true fact. When rabbits are fat in October and November, expect a long, cold winter. Oh. There you go. So keep an eye on those fat rabbits. And we'll rabbits. Oh, no. What kind of winter we're going to have. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, everybody, again, for all the great calls. And, and yes, indeed, my page is full of lots of information there. Thanks, Sebastian. Couldn't do it without him. And, of course, the ever-wonderful Frank Proctor. Couldn't do it without you either. Thanks, everybody. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.